Good afternoon, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about Kamala Harris's penchant for laughing at everything. We'll cover a green fail in Los Angeles. Uh, We'll talk about the crumbling narrative of January 6th. And finish up with a good news, bad news, good news sandwich to leave you on a positive note. All next on Living with Liberty. Kamala Harris must have comedians interviewing her. She sure seems to be laughing an awful lot. Maybe she's auditioning to be the Joker in some woke Batman remake. If I think about why that is, I come to a few possibilities on just why Kamala Harris is always laughing. One, she's incompetent at her job and is trying to hide that fact through a nervous laugh. I think many people, when they don't know what they're doing, have a penchant for giving a nervous laugh when they're asked a question they might not know the answer to or they're not necessarily qualified for the job that they're they're, uh, supposed to be doing. It's, you know, probably clear or maybe somewhat clear uh, anyway, that she really has no idea how to answer the question. So she tries to laugh it off and switch topics. Two, she's about to lie or is lying, and that's her tell. She has a good chuckle about the lie, as she knows there will be a number of people who will regard it as fact and continue to propagate whatever lie she is about to tell or is just told. Now, my third conclusion here is that she's some sort of psychopath who takes joy in destroying America and our way of life and the life of the people. It could be a combination of all three, really. She laughed when asked about visiting the border. I'm not sure how that's funny. People jammed up uh, in, in small little huts, sleeping on the floor, heads to tails in what amounts to really an, an animal pen. You've got kids getting abused there in those holding facilities. I don't find it humorous. If someone asked me a question, I certainly wouldn't be laughing. I would probably say, yeah, I'm going to uh, visit the border. We've got to see what's going on, and we've got to fix it. First off, we've got to tell people to stop coming. Kamala laughed, and then our border expert, since she's been appointed the border czar here, she said she wasn't going to go. Well, let's go back to my three reasons on why Kamala Harris is always cackling about these things. Now here I'll throw out line because I actually believe she's not going to go anywhere near the border. So that leaves incompetence and being a psychopath. If I look at it, to me, both fit. I don't think she knows how to get it under control. And she doesn't appear to care about these people. There's plenty of pictures depicting the squalid conditions. There's uh, Project Veritas's videos, uh, numerous other pictures. You have Ted Cruz's video out there of, uh, and you have the the annoying Biden official there trying to get him to not take a picture and say have respect for the people. Well, he, he how is that not respecting the people? that are living in these conditions by exposing it and and getting out there what's actually going on. 
So if, if Kamala Harris really couldn't find any video or pictures of what's going on and she doesn't know what's going on, uh, maybe ask Ted Cruz. He's probably got some video. I'm sure James O'Keefe will, you know, show you some video too, Kamala. But it, to me, it, it seems like she doesn't really want to get a hold of any of it. And and she won't. She won't ask. She doesn't look. She doesn't care. It's that's apparent. This this isn't uh, th- this isn't depend. Uh, you know, despite what Democrats tell you about wanting to help people, and it's for the people. She has proven time and again now that it's not about helping these people at the border. This is about getting as many Democrat voters imported into this country in conjunction with killing all the voting laws. That's all this is here. It's not, there's nothing uh, to it from a humanitarian aspect. And that's uh, apparent in our border czar's uh, actions and, and were, I should say, lack thereof at this point of taking action at this. Let's be real. Kamala Harris is incompetent. And yeah, she seems like she's a bit of a psychopath to me. And really, She's only following orders here at this point of what uh, what whoever her handlers are telling her to do. You know, and it really, you look at in this kind of the final point here on our, our border portion, you know, I, I look at this and I, I guess, you know, too, in, in recent days here, we've had reports of smugglers throwing children over the wall at the border. And that's still not even enough uh, of, of a problem and is not deemed as worthy enough for our border experts' attention and time to head down there and see what's going on and try and actually offer up some solutions. Now, Kamala Harris also thinks it's funny that kids are are not back to in-person learning. She thought it was funny that parents had to teach their kids and that they might have had to forego some needed income, a needed second income, whatever the case may be there, or even put their career on hold in order to make sure their kids got the education they needed and deserved. Harris said recently, more people are seeing the value of educators and then promptly broke into a hysterical laughter as as if she was some hyena on a Serengeti that just did a, you know, just had a kill and just sitting there cackling away after she made this statement. How is that funny? It's like she's perpetually at a comedy club. I think people more and more are seeing how much of a disaster our education system really is. And there are great teachers out there. Yes, I agree. I know lots of great teachers out there. And I truly believe that our teachers are appreciated by the parents. Going back to Kamala Harris insinuating that that's not the case. But there are just as many TikTok video uh, videos out there of ideologue teachers who are doing dumb crap right now, like posting on the color of Band-Aids and then uh, going into some diatribe about how a Band-Aid is a symbol of white supremacy. Someone tell me what kind of value that educator is bringing to our children's academic growth. They're more worried about the frickin' color of a Band-Aid than our kids being back in school and being taught and being educated and growing as human beings. This only serves to make one wonder what our children are actually being taught in the classroom 
though I think with the past year and kids being at home and the online uh, Zoom classes, I think it's opened up a lot of uh, parents' eyes to what our kids are actually being taught as more and more have pulled their kids out and just gone straight to a homeschool model outside of the public education system. One thing you can be sure of is Kamala Harris thinks that the, the, the lack of education of our kids is funny. Now, the last example I have uh, of this, uh, of Kamala Harris and um, her, her, I guess her perpetual, uh, I, I guess in her mind, she's perpetually at some comedy club, I guess. I said she's always laughing about, about something that's fairly serious. Um, this one goes back to just before the election. When Harris was asked if she would bring a socialist perspective to the White House, and, and she was asked by uh, Nora O'Donnell. Now, of course, Harris cackled away and then tried to deflect and uh, attribute the title of most liberal, in quotes there, to Mike Pence. We know then, or we knew then, as we know now, that Harris laughing uh, off the question was because she was lying. Her whole spiel is to bring the socialist, social, uh, socialist perspective to the executive branch of our government. That was her whole function. I, she's been a radical her entire governmental career. That, that we could tell right there. And she, soon as she started laughing, we knew, okay, here comes the lie. It's, it, it's her purpose. And, and her purpose was not in this case, as, as she, she said, her purpose was not just to do what Joe wanted her to do. That wasn't her purpose here, as she put it in her, in her interview with uh, Nora O'Donnell. Her job was to make sure that her communist voice was in Joe's ear at all times, steering our senile commander-in-chief, and I use that term loosely, in the prescribed direction of the woke handlers, whoever it is, pulling the strings behind the scenes. Now, I wonder if she's laughing as she tells old Joe what to do. We know that's what's happening now. All of Kamala's laughing tells us uh, everything we need to know about her. She's an unserious, incompetent elected official with no regard for the plight of those attempting to gain admittance to our country illegally. Nor does she care about the American people and our wishes for our country and communities. Now, moving on to the realm of going green, or more appropriately, failing at our uh, failing at the attempt to go green. It's uh, really apparently not a good idea to do that when you're trying to update your police fleet of vehicles. Now, back in 2014, Eric Garcetti, mayor of Los Angeles, was uh, made the stunning and brave decision to commit uh, to transforming the city of Los Angeles's police fleet from the gas-guzzling SUVs that seems like every uh, uh, police force seems to have now, or you know, the the bigger uh, uh, things like the Dodge Chargers, things like that. Com just uh, converting from those uh, to electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids. 
So the police vehicles that were chosen for this uh, stunning and brave program were the BMW i3. Well, because, you know, it's, it's L.A. after all, so we have to have the BMWs, right? Now, the i3, little background on it, is a $45,000 plug-in hybrid that, hold on for a minute here, comes with an optional gasoline range extender. The city of L.A. turned down the gasoline range extender. Now, L.A. is a 500-square-mile city. The I-3 without the optional gas range extender has a range of 81 miles. Uh, 500 seems like it's a bit bigger than 81, and... Uh, you know, if you're out of a charge, I, I'm, I doubt this is like your phone where you can quick charge it. I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about putting a, plugging this thing in for hours and hours at a time, taking it out of uh, service uh, for patrols, things like that. So uh, it seems like um, we had ideology here that won out over common sense in, in a liberal city. An 81-mile range does not seem like it would be suitable if you're going to say, I want to update my police fleet, and and uh, someone says, well, this has an 81-mile range. Uh, there should have been alarms going off that that doesn't seem like it's suitable for patrolling a city the size of Los Angeles. It, it, an 81-mile range might not even be suitable for commuting in, in the city of Los Angeles. I mean, it's that's not... For forty-five thousand dollars to get an eighty-one mile range—that's that's wow! I incompetence to the core there, I guess. Now, the LAPD figured this uh, out right away. Well, not right away. I guess it was after they had purchased these these vehicles. Um, again, I don't know why they didn't figure it out beforehand before they shelled out. Uh, uh, I'll get to it in a minute how much they shelled out for these. It wasn't cheap. Um, so they figured this out and placed these uh, BMW i3s under an administrative category, effectively meaning they would sit in the garage gathering dust. Now, here's the good part, as I kind of alluded to it earlier. So the city of uh, Los Angeles sunk $10.3 million Yes, $10.3 million into 200 unusable patrol cars between 2017 and 2019. And what's even better, and by that here, you can guess it means worse, is now at this point, it's not only uh, the L.A. residents having to cover the cost of this incompetence. We know they've got budgetary problems. It's not only the residents of California who have to bail L.A. out here. We know California's got budgetary problems. But because of the last porculus bill disguised as COVID relief uh, and the fact that it contained bailouts for blue states and cities, now all of us U.S. citizens get to have our taxes raised and the value of our, uh, of our dollars devalued because they printed all this money to cover for this disaster of an idea in Los Angeles and elsewhere. We're bailing these, these incompetent politicians out. However, if you are in the market for a gently used BMW i3 in black and white, 
you may be able to head over to New Century BMW in Los Angeles and pick one up for as little as fifteen to twenty thousand dollars with less than twenty thousand miles on them. Now we'll finish today's episode with a little sandwich, a reason for optimism. We'll go with a negative story, but then we'll finish right back with a uh, positive note here. Our reason for optimism comes from an American greatness piece titled The Insurrection Probe is Falling Apart by Julie Kelly. The story tells of the zip tie guy, Eric Munchell, whom the media tried to portray as being there to arrest lawmakers, put that in quotes, attempting uh, that were attempting to certify the results of the 2020 election. Munchell's mother, uh, mother, Lisa Eisenhart, was also for- photographed there with him in the Capitol that day, and both were put under federal investigation. Once they had realized this, they had uh, later turned themselves in. Now remember that, they turned themselves in. The government successfully fought to keep both uh, in jail, pending trial, although neither committed a violent crime. And like I said, they turned themselves in. Government prosecutors had warned after their arrest in January that they could be charged with sedition. Now, this is where the uh, story turns. It seems the case that uh, the case against Munchell and Eisenhart is going nowhere fast. According to the piece by Kelly, there are several cases that are now falling apart, uh, not just Munchell and Eisenhart, but several others, falling apart due to the Justice Department's abusive overreach in regards to those involved of the, uh, in the events of January 6th. A three-judge panel that uh, appeal, at an appeals court found that both Munchell and Eisenhart committed no violent acts and had fully cooperated with uh, investigators and with the, the Justice Department. So the federal government, the Justice Department, was forced to withdraw its indefinite detention order, and Munchell and Eisenhart, uh, Eisenhart will now live under the home detention rules originally ordered by a Tennessee judge back in January. Now, even better news here is the Department of Justice has yet to issue any sedition charges and is having a difficult time even building cases against people to get to those charges that were involved in the January 6th Capitol breach. 300 people have been arrested so far. Not one sedition charge has been brought forth. Kelly notes that Politico is reporting that most of the protesters won't face jail time. Many, it seems, have done nothing more than trespass, according to that Politico article. By and large, even those that had entered the Capitol were not violent, were not looking to arrest lawmakers. They simply trespassed on, uh, on the Capitol and were not the violent insurrectionists legacy media would have you believe. That is why the DOJ is having a difficult time building cases of sedition against these people. You look at the video, most of them were just wandering around and taking pictures and videos and everything else. Nobody, very few, I wouldn't say, there was some violent acts there, no doubt. Those people should absolutely be uh, arrested and prosecuted uh, to the fullest extent of the law, but 
a lot of the others were just kind of following in like sheep that had opened, you know, you open the gate and the sheep start following each other out. I mean, that seems for the most part, what, what happened here, right? Not, not much there in, in terms of um, violent insurrectionism. And that's the DOJ is now having a hard time, especially with all the video that I was taken that day, having a hard time proving that fact. Now, these are the types of stories that are not being widely publicized because they harm the narrative of January 6th. But as time goes on, more and more will come out from the, these uh, court cases and from those events of January 6th that further discredit our government and legacy media's narrative of a violent insurrection and sedition by uh, citizens of the United States. Now on to the middle of our sandwich. My friend Kat, who goes by uh, the handle at, uh, no, at no Thanks Davos on Parlor, posted a story by USA Today's extremism and emerging threats reporter Will Carlos talking about insurrection fundraisers for the legal fees of those who invaded or who were involved, I should say, uh, in the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Also, Carlos contacted Kat as she had donated for medical expenses for some of the Proud Boys who had been out protesting and protecting American citizens' rights and you know, were subsequently attacked by Antifa for doing so. Carlos wanted to interview Kat. I'm in, uh, assuming here it's probably not a far stretch, given that uh, he writes for the uh, extremism division of USA Today. Uh, he wanted to put her on the spot and try to paint her as an extremist as well. Friends, they are coming for anyone who does not comport with their ideology. They being the leftist media lunatics, as well as those that are in the, the ideologues in our government. All of them are coming for anyone who does not comport with their ideology, who do not follow their orders, who do not fall in line and and just act as sheep like act like sheep like they do. We should be asking ourselves a couple of questions here. First one, why does a major American publication have a division of reporting dedicated to extremism and emerging threats? That is a dangerous precedent to be setting here. And as I looked over uh what Carlos has as far as work goes, it's filled with the nonsense of a useful idiot. You read his articles, they're just dripping with useful idiot nonsense. And all of, a good chunk of his articles are on white supremacy and the supposed growing threat that it is. You have a lot of them in there on far-right extremists, but I didn't see any real definition in any of his articles on what a far-right extremist is. And there's a lot of articles that are Proud Boy bashing. USA Today should be embarrassed to be allowing this drivel to be posted and written under their banner. But the truth is, they are not. They are fully on board the propaganda train. The executives at USA Today and their parent company, Gannett, should be embarrassed that their publications are being used as a tool in an attempt to squash free speech, freedom of assembly, 
and that they're being used to sow division in this country. But the truth is they're not. They want more of it. So they keep letting Will Carlos push out this propaganda. Now, the other concerning fact here about this is how Carlos was able to obtain Kat's contact information from whatever uh, website or um, GoFundMe, whatever it was that she donated to to help out these Proud Boys. Now, what does it matter what cause someone gives to? Well, it only matters when the cause is the wrong one in the left's ideological utopia they're trying to create. These propagandists are only interested in finding more people to paint as extremists. They're only interested in, in this because they paint the people as extremists, and then they're feeding, you know, the, the government gets a hold of that, whether they're feeding it back channels. We know there's some tight relationships between media types and our government officials. That's not necessarily a secret. You know, are they feeding it to, to our government officials? Are they feeding it to the FBI? That's the interest here in this. And that's what's happening to Kat. Carlos wanted to interview, interview Kat, get some statements from her, then twist and contort them in a way to make her look like a, an extremist. And one of those extremists, those right-wing extremists, the left is seemingly so concerned about. Now, mind you, they are only concerned about the right-wing extremists, you know, the ones who peacefully protest for their voices to be heard, then clean up after themselves. You know, the ones who cherish the Constitution, freedom, and liberty. You know, the ones that that don't want to be part of the Borg for you Star Trek fans out there and be part of the collective. Those who want to think freely, act freely, and live freely. Those are the ones that they want to go after. Those are the ones uh, they can't stand, and those are the 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 uh, principles that people live on. Those principles, they can't stand those either. They want us all to be miserable, self-loathing trolls like they are. They can't stand that we are generally happy for the most part. We love living life. We love our liberty. They don't, they can't stand that we are people who stand for principle and help each other out no matter what our political leanings or ideologies are. They'd rather try to destroy us than step outside their little sheep pen and join us. Meanwhile, legacy media companies like USA Today will continue to spew propaganda. They will continue to bury the stories like Antifa continuing to attempt to burn down the courthouse in Portland. And like the incident that happened uh, the other day with the individual driving into a barricade in Washington, D.C., killing an officer. Friends, be careful with your information online. Be careful with the donation apps and sites. At this point, I'd, I'd say stay away from GoFundMe. Truthfully, I never gave through a GoFundMe anyway because they take a cut of it. We need to figure out how to donate directly to the individual or entity that's raising the money. And if one of these activist hacks do manage to get a hold of your contact information and reach out, ignore them. We need to not feed into their narrative. As for Gannett and USA Today, it ends one of two ways for them. Either this socialist takeover gets a real foothold and they get cast aside because there is no use for them anymore, 
as they will have served their purpose as the useful idiots for the left. Or the second option is we the people take them down with a boycott. I say we do the latter. Start today. Do not give USA Today any more online views. Do not buy it anymore at the newsstand. If you have a subscription, cancel it. As for Gannett, they own over 100 newspapers across the country. If your local paper is on the list and you have a subscription to it, cancel it. Do not give it any more online views either. I will link the Gannett papers in the description box of this podcast, as well as in the blogs section of my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. We are in an information war here, and we keep feeding it and feeding our own demise by buying subscriptions and viewing these papers and publications' websites. We need to take our subscriptions and views elsewhere. Their revenue streams will dry up then, and then they will die. We need to inflict real material loss on these companies that want to go against what America stands for. Now, finishing up on a high note, Marionette Miller Meeks will keep her seat as Iowa's second district representative. We've been following this story for a while now that, uh, and it's coming to a conclusion and, and the right conclusion, in my opinion. Rita Hart has dropped her challenge in the House of Representatives. Uh, it was it, it should have never came to this. Miller Meeks had a certified victory by a bipartisan board in Iowa. The the fact that this went to <laughs> that Rita Hart went to uh, the House of Representatives to challenge this, bypassing all other legal options, was was a travesty in my opinion. Now, really, the, there's a lot of optimism here. It was part of this was Republicans finally showing some life and rallying around one of their own and standing up for them. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy went to Iowa with Miller Meeks to offer support on her behalf and call for Rita Hart to pull back her challenge of of the election results. This is good news and offers a glimmer of hope for us. It shows Republicans may finally be figuring out how to circle the wagons and and get behind uh one of their own and put the you know play by the rules right play by the rules that are set and put constant pressure on the other side to make them cave and kind of what i was saying before it shows that they're finally figuring out that they need to play by the same rules democrats are and secondly it avoids setting a dangerous precedent where a certified state election is rendered moot because someone just wanted to run to the House of Representatives because they didn't like the outcome of said election. Now, would it have been a guarantee that Miller Meeks would have been unseated? No, uh, there's no way to tell for sure how the moderate Dems in the House would have ended up voting. But I do think, given our hyperpartisan Uh, environment right now that it was a better than 50-50 chance that Miller Meeks would have had her seat stolen on a party line vote in the House of Representatives. Thankfully, we are only left having to speculate what may have happened versus having uh, having really a, a new precedent set in terms of 
challenging election results in the House of Representatives. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd be so kind, please subscribe to my show. I would also be grateful if you left a positive review, should your platform allow. It helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. You can do that by subscribing to my show as well as signing up for notifications. Follow me on social media. My main account is on Parlor. I am at Living with Liberty. I am also on MeWe. Just search for Living with Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.